0: too much going on here this morning so romans chapter number eight if you will it is good to see everybody this morning i know it's easter and everybody's doing their things and so forth so romans eight uh we're gonna go uh romans uh we're in verse five to eight again so let's just start there and then uh we're going to move over and look at, the, at Galatians 5. Kind of do a little excursion this morning. Romans 8, verse 5. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the Spirit the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. So Paul, we, uh, we've been looking at this contrast here between the flesh and the spirit. And again, we're, we're, we're told to walk after the spirit. We're told to mind the things of the spirit. And again, that is, just in remembering... Who, who is the Spirit concerned with? Who is he occupied with? And that is, obviously, the things uh, of the Lord Jesus Christ. They're back up in verse 1. To them which are in Christ Jesus, verse 2. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus. So the things of the Spirit, the things that the mind of the spirit is after, the things that are consume the spirit, the, the, the things that are then preoccupying the spirit are the things that of the Lord Jesus Christ, who he is and who he has made us in, 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 in him, in, in the issues here. Now, obviously, to be after the flesh would be the completely opposite. And that issue of really what's happening here is you have two different... You have two competing systems of thinking of how to think. Last week we talked about the flesh being the self-life and the selfie, okay? And you take the taking a selfie. Uh, the the kids uh, for my my birthday's Tuesday, so the kids rented me a Corvette for the weekend. I'm like, who would have ever thought of, you know, just a way to. Paved the way for Dad, you know. It's sitting out back because I got to take it back this morning. I fig- after church, I figured, well, one more cruise down the freeway, right? But so, what are you? What are we doing? Lynn and I, we went up yesterday. We, uh, I wanted to go fast and go through some curves and so forth. So we went up the beeline to Payson and Forest Lakes and Heber, and uh, just as you get to the top of the rim there, where the turnoff for Woods Canyon Lake is, I gunned it. Because there's nobody in front of me. I'm like, ah, I'm going to see what this bad boy can do. And then, so I hit the century mark, and Linda goes, you're going too fast now. Uh-huh. I'm like, oh, you didn't say anything coming up the hill, you know. She goes, you're going, so I got in trouble. But, so, but then, you know, you enjoy the day, but what do you do? We're taking a selfie. That's the fle- self-life. And then you don't take one, you take about 20, because you got to pick the perfect one. That's the flesh. That's how the flesh operates. The flesh is that self-life, the great I am, all concerned with myself. And it's eternal. It's an external-driven situation. And while the spirit utilizes the operating system called grace, the flesh utilizes that operating system of the law. Because what does the law say? Do this, and you're good. So if I want to... That's why he said there in chapter 7... Uh, verse 18, for I know that in me that is in my flesh dwelleth no good thing, for to will is present with me, but how to perform. See, that's the issue. Verse 19, for the good that I would, I do not, but the evil which I would not, that I do. How to perform this, how to do this, again, performance, what does the flesh say? Hey, you know, you're you're cruising around in that car and, and you really quickly notice that people are looking at you, you know, and it's like, ooh, I'm, I'm kind of special, you know. Because well, what what do you consume? External. The, flat, the Spirit's going to work in that internal. And as we've been coming down through here, again, we're learning, Paul's telling us, look, we have a provision here in the Holy Spirit working in us and we're to go and access it, and how we're going to access this now is by minding the things, our thinking patterns. We're not going to utilize the flesh and how the flesh, we're going to utilize the spirit and how the spirit operates. And again, the flesh, the law, never changed anyone on the internal. The spirit does that. So Paul gives us the details here and this contrast between two systems that are warring, conflicting over you and who's going to control you. Now, he does this. Great, a great picture of it is in Galatians 5. So on your way to Galatians 5, stop in Galatians 1. Because what Paul does here in Galatians is he's going to add some details about the, con- the contrast, the, con- the, the conflict between the flesh and the spirit. And it's a very interesting thing here when he does this here in Galatia. He, and again, in Galatian, the thing in Galatia, in the churches of Galatia, he's not dealing with the stuff in Romans 8 per se. But rather he's going to emphasize some things here in Galatians that when the problem at Galatia was what were they doing? They were adding a law to the great, a law to grace. They were, so they were producing legalism. Yes, you're saved by grace, but now you've got to come and live over here and perform. And what Galatians is going to do is provide some corrective doctrine to all of that. If you look here, at verse 2, Galatians 1, 2, and all the brethren which are with me unto the churches of Galatia. The churches there, not just the church, but churches, the plurality of it, they had all fallen into placing the believer under the the under the law, living the law. They had so Paul's going to correct them. Now, if you think about this, if the churches at Galatia had understood the identity truths that we're studying in Romans 6, 7, and 8, they would have never gone under the law system. They would, have ne- they would, have, they would not have put themselves back under the yoke of the law they would not have put others under the yoke of the law if they had been grounded where? Right where we're at in Romans 6, 7, and 8. And I'll be honest with you, when you look at things and you look at how people talk about stuff and do stuff, you instantly can see that there is a lack of understanding of the identification truths of Romans 6, 7, and 8. When you see how people behave. Look at verse 6, Galatians 1, 6. I marvel that you are so... See that word, soon? This isn't something that just happens over years. This happens quickly. Soon removed from him that called you into the grace of the Christ unto another gospel. Him. That's Paul. When you walk away from Paul's apostleship, you're going to be removed from the grace of Christ. That's, that's, this isn't, you know, <laughs> okay, just fill up the pages. This is very serious. Notice, from him that called you. Well, who called the apostle, the, the folks there at Galatia? Well, Paul did. Well, the Lord Jesus Christ does through Paul. Uh, hold on to here. Come over to 2 Thessalonians 2. There's a verse here in 2 Thessalonians 2 there, that helps with that called issue. 2 Thessalonians 2, verse 14. Uh, he's, the context here, he's been dealing with the Antichrist, and, and uh, us You know, people are saying we're going to go through it, and Paul's correcting that. And he says in verse 14, "...whereunto he called you by our gospel." How does he, how does he and the he here is going to be God, the Lord because God hath, verse 13 there, how does he call you? By the gospel. So how does the gospel call you? Well, first got to do what? Ephesians 1.13, got to hear the word, and then you're going to believe it, and then you're sealed in the blessings and everything. So when you come back here to Galatians 1, when he says, for him that called you unto the grace of Christ... The Lord Jesus Christ, by the way of Paul, his apostleship, calls us into the grace of Christ. That's the system we're to be using. That's the operating system the Spirit's going to use. And he says, you know what? When they showed up and called you, uh, notice the verse now, I marvel that you're so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel. If, if you get out of who you are in Christ and you, quit, and you don't function in that identity, you're going to be removed into something else. Come over to chapter 2 of Galatians. Chapter 2. Look, if you will, at verse 16. Knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ. Now Paul here is arguing with Peter. That's the context, and what does Paul say to to Peter? You know that a man, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ. Even we have believed in Jesus Christ, that we might be justified by the faith of Christ, and not by the works of the law. For by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. What's the problem? The law's not going to get the job done. The law is that the law is that MRI. <laughs> Here's your problem. That's all it says to you. The, it's that big, you know, that big LED. We are replacing lights in the house, in the in the ceiling, in the uh, kitchen, and I went up to the store because they're flood, you know, they're uh, can lights. Thank you. And the floodlight, so I get the floodlights, you know, I'm not paying attention to anything that looks dissimilar, and get in, and it's daylight lights, So, and there are 100 waters, and there's five of them. So guess what the room is? (laughs) Linda's like, "Uh, no. So so I crawl back up the ladder, pull them all down, go back to the store. I kept them because we'll use them outside eventually. But I go into, and then I get the 65 waters, much better, you know. Well, what's the, that's what the law does. Here's the problem. But it doesn't help you fix it. It doesn't correct it. And what is happening here is verse 21, 221. I do not frustrate the grace of God, for if righteousness came by the law, then Christ is dead in vain frustrate the grace of God frustrate they are frustrating what God's trying to do they're frustrating what the Holy Spirit is seeking to accomplish they are supposed to be walking after the Spirit minding the things of the Spirit and rather what are they doing they're not being preoccupied with Christ they're being preoccupied with themselves so they frustrate it. They're not fully given in, they're not there. So they frustrate it. Verse chapter 3, verse 1. O foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched you? That ye should not obey the truth before whose eyes Jesus Christ has been evidently set forth, crucified among you. That, bewitched them. We, we looked at that a couple studies ago in Romans 8. The bewitching there runs you back to uh, Samuel with the witch of Endor, where Saul has asked the witch to bring up Samuel, and she doesn't want to do it, and, and Saul has to trick her and all this stuff. So when he says bewitching here, what does your flesh want to do? It wants to raise up from the dead what God has called dead. You're dead to the law. So there's what they're doing here. They're raising it up. So the question is, is why in the world would you raise it up? Verse 2, the only this only would I learn of you, received you the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith. How'd you guys get the Spirit? See how Paul, he's digging into them. How'd you get saved? How did you get the Spirit? Did you do it by obeying the, the Ten Commandments or did you get it by hearing of faith? Think about this. Wake up. Oh foolish Galatians. I think about that word foolish. It's being defined for you here. Verse 3: Are ye so foolish? Having begun in the Spirit, are ye now made perfect by the flesh? You see, they're not operating in the things of the Spirit. And if you're not walking after the Spirit, you're not minding, then guess what you are? A fool. That's what you are. That's what Paul's saying here. So now when you come over to chapter 5, that's the context when we get into chapter 5. If they are operating in the flesh, they they think that they can do the law to control the flesh, to restrain the sin, and by living and, and they, by trying to live under the law system to perform, they think that they will gain favor with God a little bit more than what they already have. And yet, what are they not realizing? They have all already. And they have an identity in Christ. They have this, this power source of the Holy Spirit that's designed to come and work in your life to equip you, and yet the Galatians here, some of us, what do we decide to do? No, let's just go over here and work in the performance. Now watch Galatians 5, verse 1. What Paul's going to say here is, no, don't think like that. <laughs> That's what he's getting at in chapter 8 of Romans 2, by the way. 5, one, stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Again, yoke of bondage. What is that? That's the law. He comes down, if you look over, where did it go? Chapter 4. If you look back at chapter 4, look at verse 9. But now after that ye have known God, or rather are known of God, how turn ye again to the weak? And beggarly elements, whereunto you desire again to be in bondage, ye observe days and months and times and years. What's he talking about there? Religion, law. Notice the law is weak. Ephesians 3.16 says that the the Spirit's going to strengthen our inner man. Paul says you're weak. Beggarly. Paul says you're rich in Christ. What does the law make you? A beggar. What are you doing here? Why in the world would you operate here and not over here? Why in the world would you do this? Chapter 5. No, let's go stand fast in the liberty we have in Christ. Let's walk after the Spirit. Let's mind the things of the Spirit. Verse 4. Five, Galatians 5.4. Five, Christ has become of no effect unto you. Whosoever of you are justified by the law, ye are fallen from grace. Wow. That's not a, eh, maybe, maybe not. No, you are. (laughs) Fallen fallen from grace. How how does that happen? Well, what do we have? They got a legal problem, don't they? They got a law problem. They think that they have to abide by the law. They have to go over here and live and act and conduct themselves observing days and weeks and months and all that stuff. What is today on the calendar? Easter. When was Passover? Last weekend, okay? All right? So Passover, what were they doing? Well, they were observing days and months. Why? Because that's the thing to do. When I worked at Bash's, one of my managers was a Jewish young man, and uh, I asked him if he went to synagogue. He says, only on Easter, and that's because mom makes me. I'm like, oh, okay. And he goes, and I go other times, but it's only when mom makes me, because what does it do? It's what you're supposed to do. It makes you look good. See? That's, what, that's what's going to cause you to fall from grace. That's not what the Spirit's doing, by the way. That's what Paul's getting at here. That's what he's getting at in Romans 8, verse 16, Galatians 5, 16. This I say then, after he's... Now he's going to go down through, and by the way, the rest of chapter 5 there, he deals with the issue of circumcision, uncircumcision. All that's the law. All that's religion. The Galatians have fallen. They've frustrated the grace of God. They've fallen from the grace of God. Why? Because they're back over here trying to perform. By the way, notice they didn't lose their identity in Christ. A lot of people think that. A lot of people think that if I go over here and participate in religion, then I've lost something. You didn't lose anything. You're just in the wrong place. That's the point. So he says what? This I say then, walk in the spirit and ye shall not fulfill the lust of The flesh. Now this is where we're at in Romans 8. Minding the things of the Spirit. Walking after the Spirit. Being preoccupied with Christ. Notice verse 16 carefully for what it does say and what it does not say. This I say then, walk in the Spirit and ye shall not have the lust of the flesh. Oh, I didn't say that, did it? Wait a minute. You need to be very careful here with how these verses read. If the, Is the absence of lust proof that you're walking in the Spirit? The answer is no. That's not what that verse says. I know that's what we make it say. There's a difference between having lust and what? Fulfilling the lust. You see, 5.16, he says, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Guys, we all have lust. That word lust, longing for something. Okay? I get in that Corvette. You just ask my wife. I've done told her like 10 times we're buying one of these. We're buying one of these. Uh, yeah, but eventually on the last one, she'll say, Yes, I'll just wear her down, right? No, not really. No. But it's like, so, you know, what do I what do, do last night? We go to dinner, we get home, Craigslist, check him out, see what's going on. Going, Oh, well, I think maybe we'll have to wait a little bit. You know, where's that Powerball number when you need it, you know? Or the lotto. Well, but what is that? That's a lust, is it not? I didn't kill anybody. I didn't go out and do something heinous. See, we think about lust of the flesh as something, oh my goodness. But it's not, it's just a longing for something or someone. When you begin to have those longings and those desires and that desire to possess and to have, we're not to fulfill that. See. It doesn't say don't have it, or you're not gonna have it, or you will never have it. There's a thought that people say, Well, I got saved, so I will never have troubles. And yet, and then what happens? <laughs> they go right into trouble. That's because they're reading some they're they're doing what the preacher told them, the religion told them, but not what that verse says. You're gonna have Lust. You're going to have longings. We're just not to do what, fulfill them. So how do we not fulfill them? We walk after the Spirit. We make a choice. We make a conscious effort. Uh, I've told you, God is a God of accountability and responsibility. He's not going to let man off the hook just because man, you know, says, "Wait a minute, I didn't know." You know, we already been through that in the first five chapters. Ignorance of the law is not a, an escape from the judgment of God. See? So what do we do here? Well, we do what verse 16 says. This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill. So if I don't want to fulfill the lusts of the flesh, then what do I need to be doing? Walking in the Spirit. See? What again, minding the things of the Spirit. Romans 8. I need to be in that identity that I have in 8 that we're learning about in Romans 8, verse 17. For the flesh lusteth against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary the one to the other, so that ye cannot do the things that ye would. Wow, what a verse. Walk in the Spirit, and I won't fulfill. Doesn't say I'm not going to have it. That Corvette sitting right out back here. Ooh, you know, it's got to go back today. Yeah, boohoo is right, you know. But the thing is, is no, we're going to do this. Now, notice verse 17 carefully. Notice what it does. What it does say and doesn't say. The flesh lusteth against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. It doesn't say, I lust against the flesh. I, sometimes you'll hear, I hear people say, you hear it, maybe you've even said it. I'm really fighting the flesh today. You know that verse doesn't say that? The contest is between who? The spirit and the flesh. You're not in the contest. If you're fighting your flesh, you know what's going to happen? You're going to lose. Because your flesh is going to beat you up. Over there in Jeremiah, Jeremiah says that the heart is deceitfully wicked. Who can know it? You don't even know your own heart. You don't even know your own self. You can look at something and say, you know what, I will never do that. and then, But given the right circumstances and put in the right scenario, you will do it. We were talking the other night. I was talking to somebody the other day. I talked to a lot of people. A lot of it's in my head. And uh, they were talking about society. Doesn't society seem like it's gone unhinged? But you know what, that evil's always been there. It's always been there. It's just blown up and rammed down our throats 24-7 now. But it's always been there. Oh, you know, people would never do this. Oh, yeah, you should read some of the horror stories out of the 1800s, 1700s, 1600s. Oh, they would never. Yeah, oh, yeah. You see, when he talks here in verse 17, the flesh left against the spirit. And the spirit against the flesh. These are contrary. Contrary operating systems. That's what he's talking about. How does the the flesh thinks about external, taking the selfie, me, me, me. The spirit comes in and says, no, we are to be preoccupied with who we are in Christ and who Christ is to us. The spirit, the flesh says, nope, we're taking a picture. I didn't like any of those. I get the filters on, you know. I got to make it look I got to get rid of the wrinkles and the gray hair. So now we're, you know, ba da da da. We come over here and the spirit says, "No. Look at who you are in Christ." They're contrary operating systems. But the struggle is between the flesh and the spirit. Folks, you don't have to fight your flesh. When you try, you fail. You lose. So let the Holy Spirit fight for you. Because the Spirit is not sweating, fighting your flesh. (laughs) He probably doesn't even have to get up out of the lazy boy chair in your inner man to fight your flesh. He's not worried about it. This fight, by the way, is not hand-to-hand combat. The struggle here, the fight here, the battle here, is for your thinking process. How am I going to think about this? How am I going to work through this now? Am I going to work through this? I, I use that illustration when talking about uh, being filled with the Spirit with the job and so forth. How am I going to view, how, am I, how do I approach my occupation? How do I look at that? How do I approach my, my marriage life, my husband, my wife? How do I approach the work? How do I approach the family? If I'm going to approach it in the flesh, then guess who's in charge? Me. But if I approach it as who I am in the spirit, then who's in charge? Christ is, the spirit is, and I'm going to function in that manner. That's what Paul's getting at here. Listen, it's about your thinking, how you're going to think about it. The flesh lusts against the spirit, so let the Holy Spirit fight it out for you. Get the word in you, let the doctrine sink in there, and let him energize that. Lust against. How does the flesh lust against the spirit? Well, the answers in the verse, they are what? Contrary. The flesh does not utilize the means or the avenues that the spirit does. The flesh is working on the external. The spirit doesn't use or utilize the avenues of the flesh. The spirit's working where? Internally. Changing you on the internal. Fixing the problem. The flesh is masking the problem. In Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, when Adam and Eve fell, they go over there and they make their Operation Fig Leaf, introduce religion, they get covered up, What are they trying to do with their mess up? Hide it. Cover it up. That's what the flesh does. That's what the law does. The spirit comes over. Can you imagine God looking at you and going, Paul, where are you? Rick, where? You know, and then go run and hide. That's what Adam did and Eve did. Rather than stand up and say, here I am and we messed up. We need help. He didn't do that. The Spirit never utilizes the things that the flesh does. They work completely contrary to one another. They're completely contradictory operating systems. And if you're walking in the Spirit, if you're thinking about how would Christ think about this, who I am in Christ, and you're minding that, You will not fulfill that lust of that flesh. It won't. It'll stop. That's the struggle. Verse 17. So that you cannot do the things that you would. Well, what are the things that you would do? Walking after the Spirit. The flesh comes in and says, you look foolish when you do that. You don't want to look foolish. Don't look foolish. Let's, don't do that. And the Spirit says, you're not foolish. Don't listen to him. This is who you are. You sit in the middle and what do you do? You do Romans 6. Come back to Romans 6. This is what you do. You make a choice. Are you guys following what we're doing? Romans 8 is critical. I, I, told, I told the kids Monday night, I'd like to sit in, in Romans 8 for about 10 years because it, and not run through it because you've got to get this into your thinking. Because no matter what life brings, if I approach it in the correct mindset, you're going to have victory, even though it may look like defeat. The flesh doesn't want to look weak. The Spirit says, when you're weak, I'm strong. You need to rely on me. Romans 6, verse 11. Likewise, reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Watch verse 12. Let not sin, therefore, reign. Romans 6, 11 and 12. Reign, rule, have control over in your mortal body, that you should obey it in the, what? Lust thereof. You see, the issue there is the lust. But in verse 11, we have a what? We have a reckoning happening. There's the issue of of reckon, the contrast. Reckon this, don't fulfill that. You see, the Spirit says, if you will reckon what, that, what these verses are saying about who you are in Christ to be true in your life, you reckon them, you say, it's true, count it to be so, it's true, and I'm going to believe those verses, then what will happen over here is you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Rather, you will be walking, minding, and doing, come over to Romans 13, the things of the Spirit. But uh, did you leave six yet? Probably did, didn't you? Look at six. Go back to Romans six. I think I'm jumped ahead. Look at Romans six. Look at verse 16. Know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey. Yield. Turn yourself over to. You know, you come up to a yield sign, and, and anybody on the right has the right-of-way, or anybody in there first has the right-of-way. You're doing what? You're letting, you're turning yourself over to that other vehicle. Yielding yourself servants, to obey. His servants ye are to whom ye obey. You make the choice, who are you going to obey? Whether of sin unto death, there's the lust of the flesh, or of obedience unto righteousness, there's walking after the Spirit. You choose. So when you choose to walk in the flesh, now come to Romans 13. When you choose to walk in the flesh or walk after the things of the flesh, mind the things of the flesh, and you have frustration and death in that situation, don't bellyache, why is God doing this to me? You made that choice, see? That's what Romans 8 is trying to teach you you got a choice here. If you're walking in this flat, uh, the Spirit over here, you're going to have r- life, freedom, liberty. Somebody sitting over here is like, boy, you look crazy. And you're sitting over there, and you don't know how crazy freedom really is. And I'll look crazy. I'll look foolish. I'll look what you think. That, that verse in Philippians over there, he talks about, um, it's, the issue is uh, Philippians 1.28 and in nothing terrified by your adversaries which is to them an evident token of perdition but to you of salvation and that of God when you're going through the struggles of life and you're doing it as who you are in Christ The world looks at that as an evident token of perdition. You're just stupid. You're a fool. How in the world can this be? And yet, what do you look at it as? Salvation, man. This is great. (laughs) We're doing good. We're here. I'm not having to struggle. Why? Because the Spirit's doing the work. Come back to Romans 13 if you were left. Look at verse 14. Romans 13, 14. But put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ, and make no provisions for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. Boy, what a verse. Isn't that a wonderful verse? If I don't want to fulfill the lust of the flesh, if I don't want to make provisions for the flesh, what do I have to do? I have to put on the Lord Jesus Christ. If I'm over here and I'm living in the flesh, I'm sorry, you guys aren't really in the flesh. I'm up here on the pulpit, okay? (laughs) I did that last Sunday. I made one side the sinners and the other side the believers, and I got in trouble. (laughs) It's like, okay, if you're living in the flesh over here, I forgot what I was going to say. Man, good job. Verse 14. But put, on, put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ, and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Boy, what, a, what an answer. What a way to, if I don't want to fulfill the lust of the flesh, I get sick and tired of that. That's what Paul did in Romans 7. In Romans 7, Paul says, I have a problem. It's called lust. It's called covetousness. The law said don't do it. I've been trying not to do it. And the good that I would do, I do not. And the bad that I would not want to do, that's what I'm doing. He's in the flesh. He's frustrated. Oh, wretched man that I am. If I don't want to do that, by the way, that's exhausting. Mentally, it's exhausting. It wears you out. It's frustration then what do I need to do? I need to put on Christ. I need to mind the things of the Spirit. So we're going to put on Christ. How do we do that? Chapter 12 there, verse 2, and be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You are to renew your thinking. And then chapter 13, verse 14 you won't, fulfill, you won't make provision for, nor will you fulfill, the lust of the flesh. And again, I'll say, notice, it doesn't say you will not have the lust. It says you won't fulfill it. You won't make provisions for it. Folks, this is a great help. Because usually what happens for most of us is when things pop up and we have a lust or a longing for something... We desire, we think we did something wrong. But what do we have? we still got that old sin nature. we still got the nature from Adam given to us. We just now have a new nature in us, the one given to us in Christ. And we need to access that. So when we long for something that's contrary to who we are in Christ... Guess what I have? I have a mechanism now, come over to Ephesians 4, that I can come in and I can say, I have a trigger, I have a helper, and I can say, you know what, that's not right, I know it's not right, but man, I really want to do it. I really want to go a 100. But who shows up on the radar screen? First was Linda. And then that little white and blue vehicle. State trooper, okay, it's like, oh, okay, I'll calm down, until the Audi showed up, we were doing okay, when the Audi showed up, then it was like, mm-hmm. can't beat me, <laughs> you know, I can beat you, no, I'll beat you, and, uh, right, right, and a little competitive juices flow, it's a guy thing, the bologna, the Audi driver was a lady, thank you very much, okay. <laughs> The other Audi guy, the other driver was a was a gentleman. So, but I have a mechanism. I have a tr- I have a helper, called the Holy Spirit, and he can come. And now I don't have to condemn myself. Again, usually when we have lust, we condemn ourselves. We judge ourselves. We 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 become we become full of shame, and we don't have to do that. Rather, we can reach over and say, you know what? Here's what these verses are saying. Here's who I am in Christ. And you know what? Let's let's rest in that. For when I'm weak, he's strong, and I need him to be strong because right now I am weak. And let me just relax in who I am in Christ. The great thing in that is how do you do that? You obey the verses. That's how you do it. That's why reading two cha- three chapters a day, getting the verses into your mind, into your thinking, then you obey. that. By the way, how do you know it's simply obeying it? 1 First, First Thessalonians 2.13. Who heard the word? I just had it. Sorry. First Thessalonians 2.13. They received the word of God which you he heard of us. You received it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth the word of God, which effectually worketh also in you that believe. You hear the word and you believe the word. And honestly, that's the whole struggle. Second hour is Easter, so we're going to do something different this morning. But the whole thing about husbands and wives and children and family and being filled with the Spirit, all that is believing what the verses say. That's all that it is. I've spent this past week talking to numerous people locally from us and from others on the Internet. And, and I, I've, you, you're not, this one couple, they're not believing what the word says. That's the bottom line. We're going to marriage counseling. I said, why? You're not going to do what the work, you're not doing what the work's required to do. So why are you going to go waste your money for an hour for some guy to tell you to do something when you're not going to go do it. Well, how do you know? Because you're not doing what I'm asking you to do. I know how that is. And I'm not asking you to come and sit on my couch and give me a couple hundred bucks an hour. I'm just giving you the verse. How do, how do I then do this? Believe the verses. I told you when we started Romans 8, you found Ephesians 4, right? Hardest part in all of this, hardest part in Ephesians 5, being filled with the Spirit, is believing what the verses say. It's right here. Ephesians 4. Notice something here. Verse 17. Let me just say it like this. To walk after the Spirit is not complicated. It's very simple. Go get the word, get it in me, obey the word. It's that simple. It's not complicated. Paul calls it in 2 Corinthians 11, the simplicity that's in Christ. It's simple. We make it difficult because we got this other guy over here that says, it ain't that simple, Jack. Charlie, Turkey, whoever you are, (laughs) you got to do. And the spirit's sitting there going, no, it's that simple. You know, and that's what's happening here. Ephesians 4. Notice Ephesians 4. Look at verse 17. This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord that ye henceforth walk. Notice ye. So he's talking about believers, the believers there at Ephesus. Henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind. So what does that indicate? That they're doing what? They're walking like the Gentiles are walking, aren't they? Here's the great church at Ephesus, big church, big deal, big ministry, and they've got people in there doing what? Looking like unsaved people, walking in the flesh, not minding the things of the Spirit. So he's, he's nailing them in the vanity of their mind, having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God. How are you being alienated from the life of God? You're walking in the flesh. You're walking like them Gentiles walk out there through the ignorance that is in them. And see, there it is. Because of the blindness of their heart, who being past feeling, have given themselves over unto lasciviousness to work all uncleanliness with greediness. Boy, your flesh is a stinking pig. Just sucks it up. So what does Paul say? But ye have not so learned Christ. Notice that. Ye have not so, what? Learned. You see, to walk after spirit, we have to learn some things. We have to learn some truth. We have to learn some sound doctrine that will then be able to answer the lustful impulses that we're going to have, that drive us sometimes, that come along and, and, and literally will dominate the scenario until what happens? You go, that just isn't right. That just frustrates me to no end. i got to stop that. It's like me and the Oreo cookies. we got to stop. The bag's almost done. So what am I doing at Walmart? Buying another bag, baby. Keep feeding the fix, right? Stop. How do I do that? I have to learn something, don't I? Verse 21. If so be that ye have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus. Now, Where do we learn about, where do we go to learn about Christ and be taught by him and heard? We go to Paul's epistles, okay? But I want you to catch, Paul says that you guys, some of you guys over there at Ephesus are walking after the flesh. You didn't learn that from the information I communicated to you called the grace of Christ. You're doing that somewhere else. Verse 22 Here's the doctrine that you put off concerning the former conversation, the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Notice there are some specific doctrines that are taught that are designed to renew our thinking, that are designed to change the way that we understand things, the way we perceive things. And we understand that by putting off the old sin nature, by putting off that old man, by putting off the things that are the flesh, but we're putting on what? The new man, which was created in Christ, which was, uh, um, verse 24, and put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Let's put that guy on. There's something very specific here. Put off, put on. Who am I going to put off? Run back to Galatians 5 quickly here. One other thing I just want to point out to you. We'll get back in Romans 8 next time. We'll get down now in verse 9 and following. When Paul says in Romans 8, walk not after the flesh, walk after the Spirit. Don't mind the things of the flesh. Mind the things of the Spirit. The great question that comes up is, one, how do I do that? Put off, put on. Get the specific doctrines, the specific information which we've been looking at. Put that on. What does the flesh look for? The self-life, the selfie. External, it's all about me. I am the great I am. The spirit is an internal issue, preoccupied with who Christ is and who you are in him. So then the question, the next question comes up, what does this stuff look like? So watch what he does in Galatians 5, verse 19. Now the works of the flesh are... What's that word? Manifest. Isn't that an interesting word? Manifest. The works of the flesh are manifested this way. Adultery, fornication, uncleanliness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulation, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revilings, and such like. If, what does what does that manifest? What kind of character? The works of the flesh manifest the character of who? The lost people. Who does that? Lost people do that. Now, he's talking to save people. And what are they looking like? Lost people. You're walking like the Gentiles walk. Ephesians 4, 17. Knock this off. Stop. But notice, it says that word manifest. That's a what? External, isn't it? It's external. Adultery, fornications, wrath, drunkenness. You can't hide drunkenness, can you? You see that, you know. Walk a straight line. Which line? (laughs) I see four of them, (laughs) you know. I knew a guy that said that one time. He was in he was in the the dry out cell for a long time, <laughs> you know. That's a manifest outside. Now watch verse twenty two. But the what fruit? Notice it's singular fruit of the spirit. That word fruit. When you we got oranges and stuff next door, okay. The citrus fruit. How do you know what tree you're looking at? Based on what? Fruit. It's a component of the tree, it's a part of the tree. So the fruit of the Spirit is a part of who the Holy Spirit is. By the way, it's not fruits, there's nine in the list, it's fruit. It's what He produces. It's what he's made of. The lost, the flesh, all that's external. It's hiding what's really going on inside, which is what? Lost, unsaved, evil, resident evil. But then the fruit of the Spirit comes in. And it's going to be put on display, but it's not going to be you. It's going to be who? Him. By the way, notice the first one. The first one is love. You see that love? Run back up and look at verse 19. Adultery, fornication, lasciviousness, uncleanliness. The first three fit with love. Why does someone commit adultery and fornication? The average survey says because they want to be loved. Isn't that interesting? So they go out and break vows and do what they're not supposed to be doing. And rather the Holy Spirit Spirit says, you are loved. You are accepted in the beloved you're loved by someone who will never fail you, who will never let you down, who will never disappoint you. Now, we don't have the time. You can do that with all of those. You can take the list of the works of the flesh and the list of the fruit of the Spirit, and they begin to work together and come together. They work in pairs of three. They will fit the the, the issue there in Titus where he says, Uh, being sober and so forth and everything. We don't have the time to do that. I wish we did. The end of verse 23, meekness, temperance, against such there is no law. When he says against such, he's not saying that the law is against what the Spirit is doing or the Spirit needs the law. Okay? Rather, he's talking there about the law can never produce this in you. The only way that this is ever to be produced is by you walking after, minding the fruit of the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. So when he talks there about against he's not talking about the laws against the Spirit or for the Spirit. He's saying the law could never do what the Spirit is going to do here. Okay, Now all of that is more detail of what we were looking at in Romans 8 there, in verse 5, 6, 7, and 8, that comparison there, that contrast of minding the things of the Spirit and minding the things of the flesh. And you know what Paul says? You can't win the battle. You, gotta, you have a provision, a power source, and the Holy Spirit now use him. And that's what we're going to get down now into 9, 10, 11, and 12, in 13, we're actually going to see the person of the Holy Spirit now as he goes to work in your life, as he's designed to do that, okay? All right, so we kind of took a side road here this morning, but just something, I think Galatians 5 and Romans 8 fit together rather nicely. They help. Now, they're not talking about the same things. Eight, Romans 8 is laying in the doctrine of your identification, but Galatians 5 is built on that. And he's dealing with a completely legal legal problem that the Galatians developed, okay? All right. Dearly Father, we thank you for the morning, Lord. We thank you for your word. We thank you for all that you've done for us. And we'll just give you the praise and the honor for that. In your name we pray, amen. All right, we'll see you guys.